Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Come on, can we get fired up? I'm excited about this word. I'm so excited about this word, I'm nervous. I'm like nervous. I don't know why. Can we, can we just pray for me for a minute? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. Amen. All right. The peace of God. The peace of God. Here's a quote. Ready? Lee Lin, this ain't time to fall asleep. Come on. Efficiency is doing things right. You can lower these monitors. Efficiency is doing things right. Effectiveness is doing the right things. Success is doing the right things right, right now. Amen? Success is doing the right things right, right now. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for your blessing today. We thank you for your peace, Lord God. We thank you, God, that we can come together as a family and bless our children. We thank you, Lord God, that we can dedicate them up to you. We thank you, Lord God, that you're growing us and, and, and reaching us and teaching us and bleaching us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, all right. Well, for the last couple of weeks, you might see, like, you know, paint in my nails and in my hair. I've been painting my house for the last couple of weeks because, you know, we got a big wedding coming up and we have a lot of, you know, all the grandmas are coming to stay with us. And we thought, let's just paint, you know, like a room downstairs to make everything fresh and give everything anew, right? And so we painted one room, you know, the dining room. And then, you know, when you paint one room, it's like, well, now the other room look a little sh shabby. And so, you know, we painted the dining room, we painted the living room, and that was the plan originally, we'll do that, and that'll look nice. And then when we do that, it's like, and then, you know, my wife would take a sample and put it in the kitchen and say, oh, look, I don't know. <laughs> and so now I got to paint that room because that's what's up, right? You taught her that trick? So we painted the kitchen, and so now we got the kitchen looking beautiful, the living room, the dining room, but you walk into the hallway where you come in, that's shabby because now everything else looks nice. So I had to paint the hallway. So we painted the hallway, and then, you know, the hallway goes up the stairs. And so you can't, if you paint the hallway up the stairs, you can't stop at a point and say, okay, from here, that's it, no more. You have to take it all the way up. And so, you know, I kept taking days off from work to, to paint the upstairs, to paint the downstairs. Because, you know, you can't just have anybody help you paint. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Listen, I have great friends. And I know I can ask any one of my friends, I need some help. I need you guys to come over. And I know because they love me, they'll come and throw some paint on the walls. And some of them are actually good painters. But some of them hate painting and would just do it because they love me. But how many of you know, you, Mark's laughing. What is Mark? <laughs> I heard Mark's laugh. He's like, I hate painting, but I'll paint for you. The 
But Mark, there's 46 drips coming down that wall, bro. I can't have that, man. Anyway. So, you know, you can't just have anybody paint. Because, you know, when it comes to the walls that I have to look at every day for a long time, I don't just want to get it done. I want to get it done right. You following me? Let me give you an example. And let me just warn you, this is a good Instagram video moment is coming up. See, you can have, you might have noticed the two white sheetrocks on the stage there. You might have said to yourself, wow, that's pretty ugly. Thank you for noticing. And so we can, you know, the desire is to have those things painted. And so we can, we can have it painted. I could have asked anybody, but instead I asked somebody that, that does a good job painting, right? And so I asked Reuben to come up and just, you know, make that square nice and, and take care of that paint. Because there are many ways that we can get something done, right? So you can ask somebody like Reuben who, who paints and don't ask him to paint your house because he's not going to do it. You know, and you, you, can, you can do things a lot of different ways, you know what I'm saying? And so... Nobody move. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What? See, you can get things painted. You can get some paint. You can, you, you can get it done, right? But, but the point is you want to get it done right. Amen? There are other ways to do it. But you want to get it done correctly. Amen? Best practices give you best results. I'd love to see somebody fall asleep during this message. I dare you. You're thinking, no, he won't. And the rest of you that have been here long enough say, yes, he will. Don't try him. So I'm just going to rest this right here. And we're going to move on. Because we've been talking about best practices, right? We, we started a message last week talking about best practices. Best practices get you best results. And in this series, we wanted to look at best practices, a practical guide to church life. And so we've been talking about church life. What is church life like and what's the best way to do church life? Amen? So let me put the definition of best practices up again. Best practices, a best practice is a way of doing something that has consistently shown better results. Now, did Reuben do a better job than I did? He's doing a much better job. You don't have to finish, bro. Thank you. I'll finish that later myself. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Best practice is, is basically a way of doing things that has worked well in the past. If, if any of you had ideas to paint your room with a paintball gun, this is what it's going to look like. And you see it's going to make a big mess. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'll clean that up later. So through this series, we're going to look at areas that make up our church life 
And we're going to talk about the best practices for those areas. This, this message is going to be a little different than, than I like to kind of just break a passage and go, you know, expositional on it and go really tear up the scriptures. This is going to be a little different. I just wanted to have a series where we're talking about practical ways that we can do church together. Amen? Is that all right? If you want like a hardcore Bible study, then, then show up on Fridays to Bible study. Praise God. Here's the basis to this whole message, Ephesians 2.10. It says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So through grace, I'm a good work. Tell somebody, I'm a good work. Through grace, I'm a good work. With grace, I want to walk and do good things. Amen? So I'm a good work created to do good things. And, and this is one of my favorite passages because the whole chapter, it talks about who we were once before we, we came to God. It talked about who we were before God and, and the results and the rewards and, and, and the things that we would, would happen to us before God and, then, and how we lived that way. But because of God's love, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because while we were still sinners, he died because of the gospel, what he did on the cross for us, not because of who we are, not be, but because of who he is. Somebody say amen. Not because of who we are, but because of what he did, and not because of anything we did so that we can boast and be prideful about it, but because of what was done for us through grace, we become his. I, I love this scripture because it gives us identity. Who are we? I'm God's workmanship. Amen. Can somebody accept that today? Who am I? You are God's workmanship. And then it gives us, I, I love this because it gives us purpose. What were we created for? You were created for good things. I'm God's work created for good work. Somebody say amen. We're talking about the best way now to do these things. And we, we started last week talking about something very basic but very life-changing for me. Hopefully it was for some of you. Then it was anybody blessed last week? Thank you for that mercy, at least. That awkward, that awkward. So last week we talked about 1 Corinthians 12 and how God gives us all these gifts that we can walk in. The gifts of prophecy and gifts of healing and, and all, all these people with these different gifts, they make up the body of Christ. And, and I love that. And, and Paul says, and you should desire those gifts. You should desire those gifts. Those are good things to desire. But at the end of 12, he says, but I'm going to give you an even more excellent way. So Paul says, there's good gifts to be had by God, and you should want those things, but I'm going to give you an excellent way. Paul says, a more better way, something better than healing, something better than miracles, something better than prophecy, something better than speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And then he tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, walking in love is the better way. Walking in love... It's the better way. It's the more excellent way. And then he tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 what it should look like. That's walking in love, my brother. Thank you. Yeah, that pain is slippery. Nobody come up here and get hurt, please. I don't want no lawsuits. 
Walking in love is the more excellent way. And in case you didn't believe Paul, you say, I only want to listen to Jesus. Fine. Jesus says in John 13, 34, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The most excellent way is to love one another with a 1 Corinthians 13 type of love. You still with me? The call of God is to love one another with the 1 Corinthians 13 type of love. A love that is patient. A love that is kind. A love that isn't jealous. And I'm going to tell you again, even though I told you last week. A love that doesn't brag. A love that isn't always about me. A love that isn't easily angered. A love that keeps no record of wrongs. A love that perseveres. A love that protects. A love that never fails. Amen? And church, I'm going to keep giving you that 1 Corinthians 13 type of love until I see us all walking in it. Come on. I want to take that a little further this week as we talk about some best practices in the way we treat people in a message titled, you ready for this? all my 80s heads at love is a battlefield can somebody say amen? amen now come on some of you believe that a lot more than you're showing love is a battlefield we talked about loving each other last week and and the battle that that is and i i'm willing to bet if you were here last week and you really listened there were some of you up at the altars last week some of you were crying some of you were were, were moved you were touched god was doing something in you i'm willing to bet that before you even left this building you were challenged in that area somebody say oh yeah I'm willing to bet that even maybe walking back from the altar. <laughs> I like that. Walking back from the altar, somebody gave you that spiritually stank look. Somebody spiritually sucked their teeth at you. I'm willing to bet that even walking, even as you walked back to the altar, you maybe you noticed somebody you haven't said hello to in three years and they've been here all along. The challenge is on all of us now. Love is a challenge. Can, can, is somebody ready? Come on. Listen, it's, it's hard enough to love people you already have to love. <laughs> Who are those people? Your husband? Come on, some of you just passed out in the spirit right now. I love my husband. Cool. Your wife. Your kids sometimes, is it hard to love your kids sometimes? They're in children's church. We can, we can talk. Amen. That love is tough enough. And, 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 and listen, if that's where you're still at, if you're still working on that, that's okay. Stay there. Because that's your first ministry. Amen. If you're still working in that area, just loving your, 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 your people in your home, just loving your ministry, the, that's your first ministry. Best practices for ministry, your family, those in your home, are your first ministry. Listen, it's great to have a heart for the lost and to be about God's work, and we should, we should be walking in that, but don't try to get mic time. Don't try to get stage time. Don't try to get minister this and pastor this kind of time until you know in good conscience 
that you're working on that first ministry. Best practices for ministry is first things first. Work on that first ministry. The truth is we're called to love each other this way. And as I was thinking about this, I, I, I started thinking about the stories. And, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of accounts that I've read and a lot of things that we've seen in movies about the battlefields. If you know me, you know I love a good movie, a good war movie. I mean, you know, anybody, the pastor that starts a message with a gun, you know, he's a little touched or he likes military stuff, you know. And so I was thinking about these, these accounts and, and a lot of movies that we see and and. and I've read that when these men and women are thrown together in a group and sent out into battle, they'll usually be from different nationalities. They'll be from different cultures. They'll, be, they'll look different. They'll be from different customs and everything. But once they get together, once they form a platoon, I love that word, it means a company of soldiers. Once they form a group, and once that group is in the battlefield, once they realize that the only people that they have to rely on are each other, there's a bond that forms in the battlefield. I'm going to let that sit on you for a minute. There's a bond that forms in the battlefield. And many a soldier have knowingly and willingly laid down their lives to save a company of strangers because of that bond that was formed in the battlefield. Amen? The military awards a Purple Heart Medal to those that have been wounded or killed doing this duty. As a, as a matter of fact, can we honor our soldiers today? This, this week is 4th of July. We celebrate our freedom. Do we have any soldiers, any, any vets, any veterans? Amen, amen. If you got family that's serving overseas, would you stand in the place for them? And let's just pray for them real quick. Father, we just thank you for our military. We thank you for our soldiers, God. We, we thank you for the families that support them and the families that send prayers to them. And right now, as a church, as a family, we just send our prayers to each and every place that they are stationed right at this very moment, Father. We ask you to touch them, to bless them, to somehow, in some way today, let them feel the presence of your love in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now listen to me, I'm not comparing what we do to what they do, but the truth of the matter is, spiritually, we live in a battlefield. Anybody agree? This love is a battlefield. This church thing, this church life is a battlefield. Listen, the word would not tell us in Ephesians 6 to, to, to this, to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, to put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the, the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Amen? God wouldn't tell us to put on this spiritual armor if we weren't in a battle. God doesn't call us to put on the full armor of God so that we can sit around at home doing nothing. How silly would you look, a man in full armor sitting on a sofa. 
God doesn't call us to suit up so that we can make little fun groups in our sheltered little church circles. Oh, your armor's shiny. Oh, you got the latest, you know, Teflon protect. For what? For what? Nobody's going to shoot at you where you're at. Amen? Best practices for ministry, don't pick up a weapon. Don't get dressed for battle unless you came to fight. Come on. Sadly, the most damage Christians get in their armor is on their back plate. And it's from their own. Well, I thought that would get a lot of amens. When it come, did you know that when it comes to friendly fire, that's when you get shot by your own? When it comes to friendly fire, the purple heart is only given to those hurt by or killed by friendly fire if the fire was actually intended towards the enemy. So no award is given if we hurt each other because we're trying to hurt each other. Oh, come on, let the wise understand today. Best practices for ministry, always aim at the real enemy. <laughs> Never point your weapon towards someone that's not your enemy. Always keep your weapon pointed downrange. Imagine if for one day a week we would look around for a moment and see the faces of the families that serve in this company and understand that they are not the enemy. Imagine if we would lay down our selfishness and take up the fight for the family that's next to us. Or better yet, because if the family's next to us, we probably know them. What if we would lay down our selfishness and take up the fight for the family that's on the other side of the church? The one that we never say hi to. That family that we see coming in with the stroller and struggling and, and, and you get annoyed because the usher's got to move a chair out to put the stroller. And you get annoyed because you're trying to worship, you're trying to go in and, and this person came in five minutes late with their baby. And you want to suck your teeth because you want to get into worship. This family's bothering you. That's a sad, that's a sad state of affairs, amen? Imagine if for a moment we would lay down our selfishness and take up the fight for the family that's next to us. Then someone would know that we're his disciples. You know why? Because love is a uniform. Oh, come on. That's a beautiful picture. Love is a uniform. In the battlefield, the only way you can identify who's a friendly and who's a foe is usually by their dress or by where they're standing. Love is a uniform, and where you stand determines who you're with. You guys fell asleep. I'm going to start shooting people in a minute. I'm going to start shooting people. Listen, I'm convinced and I'm willing to run with this. There are going to be people that right off the bat you don't get along with. Say amen. Don't act like you're so righteous that that's not you. Not me. I love everybody. Liar. There are going to be people that just rub you the wrong way. <laughs> that was strong. Let's pray in this corner. 
They're going to be people that right off the bat you have nothing in common with. You might have grown up differently. You might have had more or less opportunities than they have. You can be from totally different walks of life. But somehow, like it or not, we're here together. And like it or not, God put us in the same platoon. And like it or not, we are not each other's enemies. And I believe that as we walk this church life out, there's a bond that's formed in the battlefield. If we walk this thing out, we're going to learn how to love each other. We're going to learn how to overlook the thing about him that bothers me. We're going to learn to overlook the thing about sister so-and-so that gets in my nerves sometimes. We're going to learn to overlook that sister so-and-so loves God. She's here in my church. She's wearing our uniform. She's not my enemy. I'm going to find out. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll take it upon myself to find out why she's so irritating. Or maybe it's because I'm just like her. Maybe that's why she's so irritating because she's just like me. And maybe other people think about you that way. And so maybe if you push back and say, you know what, I'm going to learn how to love some people up in here. This is a small group of people. It, it may feel like a lot of people to love, but it really isn't. Right? This is a small group of people. And if we can't show each other that we love each other here, how in the world are we going to do it in the world? How in the world are we, how are they going to know that we're his disciples because the way we love one another. Listen, we have to be willing to work in the battlefield and there's going to be a bond that's formed in the battlefield. I believe as we walk this church life out, there's a bond that's formed in the battlefield. I believe as we work things out and, and press on and get through hard times, there's a bond that's formed in the battlefield. I believe as we step outside our circles and enlarge our groups and invite others into our lives, even though they come with baggage, there's a bond that's formed. In the battlefield. I believe even though people will bring their hurts, they're going to bring their prejudices, they're going to bring their issues, if we're willing to walk with them, there's a bond that's formed in the battlefield. I believe that as we work on our marriages with our children and push through the hard times and weather the storm, there's a bond that's formed. In the battlefield. I love this quote. Listen, we come to love not by finding perfect people, but by learning to see imperfect people perfectly. I'm glad two of you got that. That's good. Maybe that's a start. Best practices for ministry, for relationship, for marriage, for every area of church life. Learn to see imperfect people perfectly through the love of Jesus. Even if the circumstances don't change right away, there's a bond that's formed in the battlefield. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen, tomorrow my wife and I will celebrate 24 years of marriage. Yeah. Go ahead. You can look over there and say, that is a blessed woman. Go ahead. I'm a blessed man. All right. I know. I know. We have two beautiful daughters that have been around for close to 24 and 21 years. You do the math, let the wives understand. Because of who we were individually when we came to one another, 
Early on in our marriage, neither of us could imagine ever trusting the other. You understand, this was player, player meets player, player. And so we were like, I trust you, baby. Just stay where I can see you. The second you're out of my sight, I don't know what the heck you're doing. Anybody been there? We were five. Oh my goodness. We would have to rearrange the pictures in the bedrooms of the house just to cover up the holes that she would put in the sheetrock. <laughs> it was fire up in there all the time. Now, at this point in our walk together, I cannot imagine either one of us ever doing something that would violate that trust or hurt the other person. There is nothing that I would not do, walk through, endure to stop any pain from coming to her. And I feel this, that she feels the same way about me. Amen? So I'm going to give you some best practices for relationships. Some best practices for marriage. Number one, build trust. If you have to always check his phone and check his Facebook and check his email, you probably shouldn't be with him. If, if you can't be comfortable because you haven't seen him in a day, if you don't know where she's at because she won't return any calls or any text messages, you probably shouldn't be with her. Amen? Here's a good indication. Where you met should probably tell you already <laughs> that that thing started off wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying it can't be good and it can be. It happens. Amen? My wife and I both weren't serving the Lord when we met and God used it. Amen? But it's a good indication if you met in the club. Anyway, I'll just leave that alone. How do you build trust? Good question. Build it slowly. And you build it by showing yourself trustworthy. You can't build trust by just saying, baby, you got to trust me. Car salesmen say stuff like that. Trust me. Trust me, this car is perfect. You build trust by showing that at the very core of your being, you want the very best for the other person. Listen, you rejoice with victories. You hurt when they hurt, even when you don't understand it. Men, be prepared to never understand it. If she smiles, you smile. If she hurts, you're hurting. You don't have to know why. You protect. Let me tell you a real quick story. When we were first dating, I don't know if she was just testing me or if, if it's just because she was from the Bronx. And I, and I, had, I hadn't had girlfriends from the Bronx at that point. 
But one day, she, she would just start fights for me to walk into. One day, we were in the movie theater. Sorry, baby. <laughs> and some lady, she must have bumped some lady by mistake or something. We were in line, and the lady came out her face. She chewed her out, and my wife went in back. And then her husband came back from the... This, this guy could arrest his popcorn on my head and eat from it. He was huge. I'm pretty sure I reached his belt. This dude was big and wide. And he tells me, you better tell that little lady to shut up. Now, I don't know what you guys would have done, but I had to man up, right? I said, if this woman's ever going to believe that I love her, that I'll do anything, that I'll protect her, I might go get killed here in this movie theater today, but I'm not going to let her know I'm scared. And so I gave that guy my crazy eyes. What? What? I know you're not talking to my wife like that. I know you're not talking to my girl like that. What? And inside, I just prayed that he wouldn't just, just. <laughs> Best practices for marriage, you got to protect. You got to show what the word says, Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her fully. You got to show them that you're willing to lay down your life for them. Not just physically, but spiritually, but emotionally. Listen, we're not perfect and we don't live in a perfect world and we're going to make mistakes and they're going to be setbacks. Where trust is fractured. But you persist and you persevere and you believe the best and you build it back up stronger than it was before. Where's that from? 1 Corinthians 13. Best practices for marriage and relationships, build trust. Amen? Let me give you a couple of good ones. This is free. I'm not even going to charge you for this. This is thousands of dollars in counseling. If you pick up one of these, this is going to help your life. If you're not married, write it down and keep it. Make it a wallpaper on your phone and your screens. If you're engaged, make sure he makes it a wallpaper on his screen. Make sure he memorizes these little points. Amen? Here's, here's a good one. Don't be afraid to let go of your side of an argument, even if you're right. I know nobody's going to say amen. I'm all right. I'm good. I know this works. Listen, there is no pride or reward to be gained from being so stubborn that you have to win all the time. And if you had half a brain, which I didn't for the first 10 years, so I'm not judging you. When you win at an argument with your relationship partner, you still lose. Amen? Have you ever won an argument and then been affectionately loved on and cared for? No, dummy. When you win the argument, you just set her so far away from you. That it'll take a week 
to get that back <laughs> to where she even wants to talk to you. So do not be afraid to let go of your side of an argument. If you're wrong, own it. That's a tough one, I know. Amen? I see some of you married people, you don't even want to look at each other. You're like, I hope you're awake, bro. This is the best one. I'm giving you this for free. Listen, if you want the last word in an argument, apologize. You want the last word in an argument, apologize. Listen to me. I can't believe all the time that we waste arguing about things that in the long run, in the big picture, will not matter. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, my mom's here. and My parents were married for over 50 years. Worship team, you guys could come. How many years has it been, Mama? 52 years. And I can tell you, you know, I was there for a few of those years. It wasn't always sunshine and roses. There were good times and there were hard times. And as many of you know, my dad just passed away a little over two months ago. And for many years before his passing, he was in a nursing home because of what Alzheimer's had done to his mind. And I remember the quick progression of this disease during that time that we were forced to put him in a nursing home for his safety and for the safety of my mom. The first day that we had to leave him anywhere, he would, he would come to me. He said, Bobby, get me, get me out of here. Let's go. Get me out of here. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. But within a very short time frame, I don't know if it was a week or, or two weeks at best, but it was a very, very short time frame, the memory of where he should be and where he wanted to be, that memory was gone. And so he no longer asked me to get him out of there. He no longer wanted to leave. He would just... He, he, he lost the ability to speak after a very, very short time. Shortly after that time, I noticed that when I would go there, he would look at me differently and he would be uncomfortable when I was in the room. And so I realized it's because he no longer remembered who I was. And so to him, I became a stranger that would make him uncomfortable and he remembered my mom for a while after that because she was there every day. But within a very short time frame, even she was a forgotten memory to him. See, love had proven itself to be a real battlefield. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because there's a bond that's formed in the battlefield. And for years after he lost his memory of her, there was rarely a day, if any, that
that my mom wouldn't go to the nursing home and spend hours there caring for him. Now, I want you to understand, my mom didn't grow up in a very affectionate home, and so my family wasn't overly affectionate. But I watched her there faithfully caring and affectionately loving someone who could not love her back. And so I wanted to honor my mom today. Because the best, the best and most powerful lesson that my mother has ever given me and that I never will ever forget was the way she loved my father when he couldn't love her back. I use this lesson with every married couple I speak to. I tell this to every engaged couple I meet. Because that was a picture of the living gospel to me. That was a real live picture of grace. While we were yet sinners, before we knew him, he loved us. Before we turned to him, God turned to us. Jesus died that we would come to know him, that we could be reconciled to him. Family, can we... And will we love people that don't have the capacity to love us back? Can we be love to a hurting world that has been so damaged and so wrecked that it isn't ready to love us back? Best practices for relationship and marriage don't make a vow to one another if you're not prepared to follow it through even when the other person can't. Family, I'm going to ask you today, would you commit to these best practices in your walk with God? Would you commit to these best practices in your work, in your walk with people? wanted to remind you also that repentance is always the best practice so as we close today sometimes the way we go about things is as reckless as trying to paint a room with a paintball gun you'll end up with some paint on the walls but there's a better way to do it amen and I want to tell you today that the Word of God has the answers and the direction for us. And the love of God has everything we need to walk in those directions. So I'm going to ask you right now, because for some of you here today, the first best practice that you can walk in is committing to walk with God. If that's you, would you just stand? Come on, let's celebrate. Let's rejoice. Love is a battlefield, but in that battlefield, there's a bond that's formed. If 
you're making those decisions today, if this is maybe the first time that you've made a decision to, to commit your life to God, I'm going to ask you to be bold about it. We don't, we don't fool around here. We, don't, we ain't here to impress nobody. We're not trying to... We just want to be real before God. If that's you, would you just come forward? Just come stand with us. We want to worship with you. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the front. If you want to come up and get prayer, if you want to come up and just make a decision, you're saying, God, I want to follow your best practices. I want to follow these best practices to be close to you, to, to walk with you. If you're saying, you know what, I'm going to walk in these best practices. I'm going to love those that can't love me back because that's what Christ says that I should do. Let's worship. Let's be praying. Let's worship slowly. Softly. Hallelujah. We are young. <laughs> hearty to hearty, we'll stand. No promises, no demands. See, love is a Knowing love is a 